good time. All right, so let's get into this word today uh, because I guess some people aren't singles. They didn't really come to hear about the singles. Um, so we've been talking about courage, um, and uh, today we're going to, I don't know if we're going to summarize it, but we're going to get to the per- some of God's purpose of us having courage. And we talked about our purpose of having courage and the things that we need to do to speak the truth and love. We need courage to, um, you know, resist peer pressure. We need courage uh, to walk by faith and not by sight. We do need those things. Um, and we talked about earlier that courage is on the other side of our obedient steps of faith, right? Courage is on the other side. So, so in other words, I'm dealing with uncertainty, and I got to step through, not step around, right? Not run from, I got to step through. All right, so, of course, it takes courage uh, to do that, right? Right, and, you know, I don't know if I gave you this testimony, but I was thinking about the courage it takes to uh, share your faith with the people you love. That's, that's tough too, right? You know, because one, they know you, you're familiar with them. People that you see at the mall, you may not see them again. But the person that you love, you're going to see them in the next hour, the next minute. You're going to see them tomorrow. You, know, you understand what I'm saying? So that, now that's tougher uh, to share that, but it takes courage to do that. You have to be willing to look bad and lay down your life. I think about Smith Wigglesworth's wife. Um, so he, he was, you know, I think he was a plumber, but he wasn't really fit, huh? Plumber. So he wasn't even really feeling the whole Jesus thing. And then he was getting tired of her making him feel convicted because she kept going to that, leaving the house, going to church. So he told her, he says, I'll tell you what, leave this house today to go to church. I'm changing the locks. But she, she was, you know, she was, she was stuck. I love you but not more than God. So she went to church. And you know what he did? He changed the locks. So when she comes back home, she realizes the locks are changed. And it's a cold night, sort of like maybe last night. So picture last night. We can all relate. Last night was a little chillier than has been in a while. And so they had a swing on their porch. So she doesn't get in the house. So she goes to the swing, grabs the blanket from off the spring, wraps up in it, and sits down by the front door and pretty much falls asleep, you know, at the front door. Well, in the morning, he gets up to get the newspaper. He opens the door. She falls in to the house when he opens the door. She gets up and says, what do you want for breakfast, honey? Well, he dropped to his knees and said, well, I want the Jesus you got. I want the God you have because I don't deserve that type of love, right? And he wanted, Miss Smith Wigglesworth has, has been a key uh, uh, man of God that God has used to impact the world. All because somebody had courage. Take it, you know, not be ashamed of the gospel, but to share the truth and love to him. Right? There's something to think about, you know. Everybody, now some of y'all said, please, he locked them doors, I'm out. <laughs> ain't nobody waiting on it, wrapping up. And you definitely ain't getting breakfast. You're lucky, lucky you get a breakfast bar. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, try it. <laughs> See what happens. I know what y'all thinking, you know. But, again, obviously she was operating to hold on the level of love and faith, right? Wait a minute. She was operating a whole other level of courage, right? Takes courage to take a hit and not retaliate. Takes a lot of courage, right? 
What'd you say? When you was praying, you said something you said you picked up. It came from God, but you said it came from me. But uh, to move in silence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you're just trying to share everybody the inside information from the one-on-ones. Okay, all right. And so, so this is the interesting thing. Some of our family, friends, uh, and people we associate with uh, couldn't or can't see Jesus. You know why? Because we don't follow him in the midst of them. God has given them access to Jesus, but it's through you. But sometimes we hide Jesus when we're in a crowd. We hide Jesus around family. Jesus slip out. We, oh, no, no. I said Jesus. I, didn't see I don't even know Jesus. No, no, no I'm, not, I'm not into all that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, so you may be on that plane, that train to heaven. But what about them? I had a young lady that uh, her mother used to bring her to the church. Uh, I worked with youth in Ohio. And so at their church, they was going to a Baptist church, they really didn't have youth ministry. So she found out about our youth ministry, so she would bring her in in the afternoons once a week for counseling. And so she got to a point where she was falling to peer pressure to the teens. And she said, and so we had a conversation. She says, well, you know, you know, they cool. They just cool. They cool people. I said, so they cool? I said, you love them? She said, yeah. I said, have you accepted Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior? She says, of course I have. I says, so what do they get? So you going to heaven, are they? You said you love them. She said, I never looked at it that way. Later that week, we had youth ministry. We had uh, a lot of extra people because of that one young lady. So the question is, who are you going out and bringing to church? Are we so caught up in self that we can't see souls? See, it takes courage to even look past yourself to other people's lives. All right? All right, so let's go to Romans 1, all right? We're talking about courage here, right? Romans 1. Suppose that's the holdup. Would you do it if that was the holdup? All right, what do you mean? Suppose the holdup was you don't forgot about souls. <laughs> I guess you the statement. All right. So uh, Romans 1 verse uh, 16. What about the souls? <laughs> Romans 1 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the, to the Greek. So he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation, wholeness. Remember what we was talking about in consideration of the whole. Suppose what's the, the struggle is not your skill set. The struggle is not your degrees. The struggle is not you being able to figure out what to say to them, how to fix them. Suppose the struggle is you don't forgot about souls. Something to think about. 
See, see, because to operate in, in, in winning souls, I realized something. We need all the, at, the attributes that God has afforded us. You need love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and long-suffering, right? You need all that, right, uh, to, 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 for souls. Now, the interesting thing, I learned, I learned this from Jesus Christ. You know, he heard about John and went and healed somebody. No, no, well, okay, so he did with John. But he heard about Lazarus, and, and, and on the way, he healed somebody. It's all about, you know, like any time he was pulled, he went and got his power from souls. Because he heals Jairus' daughter. No, no, no let, me, let me get her let me, before the, no, I'm, I'm skipping. He heals the, the, the young lady with issue of blood and says, virtue has gone through me. So that's power has gone through me. Well, that's the same power he used later on to raise somebody from the dead. Right? But he invested in somebody else's life. Right? And when you do that, that demand of what they need to heal and to restore their soul has to go through you. So you increase in power when you think of others. Right? Now, now to, to operate in this level of courage is going to take... Uh, Vulnerability. So, because courage dares to be vulnerable. I'm going to repeat that. Now, see that? In our culture, vulnerability is like a curse word. You know, because we live every day just to protect ourselves, to save face, to make sure we don't look bad. Vulnerability or displaying the cracks, being sincere, has been a lost art. That's what sincerity means. Display the cracks, not hide them. But we... We protect ourselves from being vulnerable, but we desire people around us to be vulnerable. Just let me know what you're thinking. Just open, open up. You know, man, I can't nobody even, don't have a clue what's going on. You, you, you snap after. Give me the information ahead of time and you might not have to snap. You know what that person's saying when they're looking at you? They will know why they're sitting in the stupor, they go, you know what they're saying on the inside? Show me. Your request is honorable. Now show me. Now think about the request you made last night. Are you showing it? Think about the last time you got offended with somebody. Are you what you expect of them? Because you got offended. Why? Because something they did rubbed you the wrong way. But something you've been doing has been rubbing people the wrong way for a long time. And they've been looking past what you've done but you can't look past what, ha- what happened to you. Something wrong with that. Is ain't something wrong with that? Yeah. You see, Mr. Marfay, something wrong with it. Something wrong. In South Carolina, right? Something wrong with that, man. <laughs> right? So, so, so can we live vulnerably? Now, and, and let's go to uh, Matthew 10. Let's go to Matthew 10, verse 32, right? Because we're not ashamed of the gospel, right? Now, sometimes we quote scriptures and we, we uh, because we know this is, this is what we're supposed to say. But Pastor Mel was saying this in, um, was it class yesterday? Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer, right? Yeah, so it's not just something to say, it's something to be, Right? 
All right, so uh, Matthew 10, verse 32. It says, whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven, right? And whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So sometimes we're saying, I believe God's denying my, my request. I believe nobody's moving in heaven even though I'm fervently praying. But we never say, have I been denying him before everybody else? So he is, see, you, you trigger it. You turn the key. When you can't be vulnerable and confess him before men, you turn the key of denying him, being embarrassed by him. So that, once that key is turned, once that, that, that ignition starts to kick, that thrust starts going, well, guess what? The, the, even even like, like if, 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 if I deny him by jumping into sin, the Bible says God can't hear the prayer of the sinner, John 9, 31. So I'm, I'm like, I don't think they hear me. But do I say, have I been representing him? Do I, do I attach it to that, Right? Because the scripture says, God is not mocked whatsoever man soweth that he shall reap. Right? So can you confess him before men? So this is so now, obviously, this takes courage, right? It takes courage to what? Speak the truth in love. Right? Speak the truth, but we got to add the love package because sometimes some of us snap out the truth. So ain't no love in that, right? And then we walk away, what was the truth? Or back in the day, I didn't even snap out the truth. I just, it's the truth. You know, so I, however it hit you, however you took it, I really didn't care. And I was, but I was wondering why nobody would say nothing to me. And then finally, you know, they, they, when I was in college, they got, they got a meeting together. It's like, Keith, man, come on, man. You got to stop cussing people out, man. You got to stop doing that. People are afraid to approach you. Some people really want to be in a relationship with you. But they're afraid if they say, come at you the wrong way, you're just going to curse, curse them out. I mean, None of y'all ever met that person. My wife was saying yesterday she never met that person because I was different by the time I came to Ohio. But I was a bitter guy. I was, uh, I said, guy. I did good, didn't I? I said, guy. So, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> that's pretty good. It just flowed, you know. Normally I tried to have the preface. Uh, but I was a bitter guy. I don't even match. But, uh, but you, know, I, you know, I had to learn. I had to stop thinking about myself and what I went through, you know, and start to consider others. And, and so as I was thinking about this, I was reading through this in Galatians. It was one of my daily uh, reading chapters. And so as I was reading it through, Paul was like, listen, when I first ran, ran up on y'all, new information, you struggling, you need a help. He said, y'all was like, Hosanna to me. He says, I could have asked you for everything you own. I'm paraphrasing. You'd have gave it to me. He says, so am I, am I your enemy? This is, I, this is Ephesians, not Galatians. I just, I just switched them over. It's Ephesians 4, 15. He says, am I your enemy because I tell you the truth? He said, now am I, am I your enemy? So we were cool all this time. But as soon as I said the truth, the relationship shifts. The truth is what frees you, and I love you. Wouldn't I want you free? But you're taking it as an indictment because you believe 
the truth should not be discussed when, I'm, when I may be uncomfortable. So if I'm going to be uncomfortable, no truth can be communicated, even though I may need that truth to free me. But I'd rather be bound than to be uncomfortable. Let that soak in. Soak in for a while. <laughs> you see the faces. All right, so, 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 so this, this, let's go to Matthew 5. So obviously, this takes a lot of courage, right? Takes a lot of courage. Uh, now, 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 it takes courage. So, so we're being tested. All of our relationships are training us, right? You know, as a pastor, as a minister, as a disciple, all, every level of relationship trains you. Relationship with your kids train you. The little ones to the older ones train you. Uh, your interactions train you when you join a team. All these things are training you and they're equipping you for the kingdom of God. God has a purpose, right? And so, so when you're, when you're uh, so, uh, we were having this conversation, trying to think who I was having this conversation. Well, I won't say who, but I was having this conversation and I was, we were talking about a lot of times in marriages, you know, you come in with a personality, right? So, so I come in with a personality, my wife come in with a personality. A lot of my, and then we come in with worldviews. I came in with my worldview. I was born and raised in North New Jersey. She came in with her worldview, born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. Within those cultures, we had households who had their worldview. So it just keep, in, keep getting deep. Well, then before I met my family, I was with another family up until I was 17. They had their worldview. So that's another level. Of, so I got, I got all these embedded worldviews because worldviews is, is repetitious information, authoritative voices in your environment. It doesn't mean it's right. It just means you're used to it. Does that make sense? So then we come together and there were things I was used to. There was things she was used to. And so she's trying to get me to conform to what she's used to. She said, amen, right? Well, guess what? I'm trying to get her to conform to what I'm used to. And some things might have been simple. You know, I, I don't want them to think. So that was what she was used to. Well, what I was used to, they could think what they want to think. Well, you know, that's, a, that's an argument in a class right there because I'm going to do a lot of things that's going to embarrass her, right? And so one of the first times we had this conversation, I used to run when I, when I was in in New Jersey, I worked in upstate New York, and we had this thing called Suicide Hill. So I was, I was pursuing basketball, so I would run around the entire campus. When you get to Suicide Hill, you run sprints. So I ran sprints. So I run up the sprint. When I got to the top of the hill, I would yell to the top of my lungs. And that was my release. You know, that was release, stress-free, whatever. But, you know, it worked. It, it must have worked, but, you know, had a pretty decent game. Well... I get to Ohio, I can't find a hill. Matter of fact, I remember one time I, I, I drove all the way to the other side of town just because the street had, a, had an incline. Because I'm in a whole nother world now. It's a lot of hills where, where I'm from. So I says, so I said, well, what I'll do, I'll just run around the neighborhood and then when I get to a certain amount of laps, then I'll, you know, I'll, it'll be like I'm on the top of the hill, right? So I go out running. The first time, you know, I go out running, running around. It's Eastmore area, right? That's where we stay. All right, so, so I'm running around. When I get, I don't know, my 20th lap or whatever, I yell to the top of my lungs, right? 
this is in a neighborhood, by the way. This is a neighborhood. So, so it's an apartment. There's a bunch of townhomes. I'm on the next block of the townhomes. That's all. I just, because it was like a circle. So I, I figured, I don't know, it might have been a half a mile or whatever. So I come in the house. He says, uh, sweetheart, was you out there yelling? Because she doesn't, she's on another block. You know, I'm on a whole nother block. I said, Huh? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. I said, yeah, I finished my, my workout. Like, I didn't go, what do you mean? I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when, I, when I get to the end of what I'm doing, you know, I express myself. I just yell to the top of my lungs. She said, babe, you can't be doing that. People are going to think such and such. I was like, I don't really care what they think. I don't even know these people. Like, what do I care what they think? But you see how we come together and you got two different worlds. I mean, that's... That's minor compared to all the stuff we had to grow up through, right? Because it's just two different worlds trying to merge together. Does that make sense? All right, so, so you know, we were talking about this the other day, how, how it, it's, it's uh, how can I say, to really share in tough situations, it's difficult because the person may get mad. They may get upset. You can find yourself walking on eggshells. But then this is the other thing with worldviews. When I talk, first of all, I'm an exhaustive communicator. Y'all don't figure that out by now. Uh, and, I, and, and I'm kind of, uh, I got a quick recall. So I'm not overwhelmed, even if it's an argument. I mean, I had juveniles constantly going at it, and I just answer their questions. Like, like, I'm not overwhelmed. So imagine us, and it's a heated discussion. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm like, and I don't take the, the level of, of volume as a problem. You know why? My family, we all laugh. You know, that's how we roll. We like, we, man, get out of here. And so if you're watching us from the outside, you'd be like, uh-oh, this is about to be a fight. <laughs> Ain't going to be no fight. We, 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 this how we do. You know what I'm saying? And we walk away, hey, hey, you cooking? Or I'm gonna cook. Like, like you know what I'm saying? It's not that, it's not that serious. But for her, you're getting loud. It's like, loud? I'm not even, look, look, look at my response. Loud? I'm not even yelling. Did you want me to yell? I think one time I did that. Let me yell, and then now you can see the difference. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? So, but different worldviews, different perspectives. So now when you go on to talk to people, if you don't know the audience, you could be unnecessarily intimidated. You could think the person's mad at you based on their face. Even though the scripture says, fear not their faces, don't be dismayed by their looks or speech. That's Jeremiah chapter one and Ezekiel chapter two. He doubled down on it. <laughs> Right? He says, I'm going to go send you to them. I'm going to make your face flint against their face. Now you know why I got the face I got. Because some of y'all got y'all face. And God gave me a face to combat yours. Yeah. Now I'm just, I'm just, just, just jokes, y'all. Just calm down. Come, come back. Come back. What are you trying to say? Right? right? But that, that's scripture. That's not me. Go read for yourself. It's in Jeremiah, first chapter, Ezekiel, Ezekiel, second chapter. It's just the very first few verses, so you ain't got to look far, right? But he says, I'm going to make your face flint against their face. He says, fear not their faces. Don't be dismayed by their looks or speech. Because he, he knew 
I'm going to send you in. Everybody ain't going to like what you're going to say. And some people are going to snap back. Some people are going to talk back. Some people are going to like look at you and scowl back. But you ain't there to be liked. You're there to express love. Which means you're going to have to give them the truth. All right? You got me so far? Okay, good, good, good. All right? So, I guess we can get to the scripture. Because I didn't read it, did I? All right, verse 14. It says, ye are the light of the world. Right? Now, before that, it talks about we're the salt of the earth. A preservative. Right? But it says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So, if I'm light and God sees me as a city, and a city of light is set on a hill where everybody can see me, right? Not hid. You see that, right? Uh, it, says, uh, it says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So he's saying you don't hide the candle. You don't light it to hide it. God ain't lighting us to hide us, right? It says, let your light so shine before who? Men, that they may see your good works, look, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know what he just said? Keep it on blast. Let the light shine. Keep it on blast. This is the poem, you know, uh, what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid. He says, what I'm afraid of is that, that, that I might be, I might feel inadequate. I know I'm not saying that right. But he says, he says, when I, when I shine my light, I un- unconsciously give other people permission to shine theirs. But a lot of times we don't shine our light. We defer a lot. Well, no, no, it's okay. No, 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 you go ahead. No, 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 you go ahead. No, you got to let your light shine. And people can, it's, it's not you, you're going to get the attention, but you're going to defer it to God, right? Right? Because all things you do, you do to the glory of God. But you got to let that light shine. That behind the scenes is not what that scripture says. Right? Like we got to, there's people that we're supposed to be talking to. And you know it because you feel it when you're around them. It's all in you. But like, nah, but they probably, then you go in your head. Well, they're going to think this. They're going to think that. Well, they're probably going to think this. Well, I don't know if they're going to think that. Well, no, I don't think this is pretty a good time. Like you're going to see them every day. Okay, all right, so, so we, we, we good? It, it, I know this takes courage. Let's go to 1 John 1. This is, you could study out 1 John 1 for yourself. Verses 1 through 10, which is the whole chapter, but, but you could study, listen, this, this, this will really help you. Uh, uh, Ms. Lamar, you mentioned 1 John 1, 7 today, right? So let's, let's read the King James first, Okay. King James, it says, hold on, let me see what I got here, because I got all types of stuff going on here. So, okay, I did it that way. Cool. All right, 1 John 1, 1. 1 John 1, 1 is where we're going to start. I mentioned 7 because of that guy right there. He, he used it in discipleship classes more. It says, that which, it says, that which from the beginning, which we have heard, uh, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of, of life, for the, the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was 
with the Father and was manifested unto us. Now, I'm going to stop right there because this John is referring to Jesus and is referring to John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. The same was God. And he was in the beginning with God. And then it's, that's John 1, 1 through 3, I believe. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's why he said it, be, it manifested and became life. Right? So, so he's, he's uh, paralleling it to that scripture. Now, verse 3. It says, that which we have seen. Now, this is saying that we've seen these things. So some people have heard about them. But we've seen these things. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. It says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his son Jesus. So I, we, when we gain fellowship, what are we doing? We're bringing people into fellowship. So when we expose, when we're a witness, that draws somebody else to have access to what you have access to. Right? We're not hoarding. Verse 4, it says, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So he's like, we see that your joy is not full, but your joy is not full because you don't have full fellowship. Or as we talk about in Bible school now, you're not abiding in Christ. So you came, but you didn't stay. All right? Verse 5, it says, this is then, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare it unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Like, he's just added extra. So God is what? God is light, right? In him is no darkness at all. Now, remember, before this, he was talking about bringing you into fellowship. So when I bring you into fellowship with someone, or if you're coming around, uh, or, or perfect example, there's some people that, have, that were in transition in my family. They were transitioning so they needed a place to stay. So they're coming into fellowship with us. Now they ain't just family, they're in fellowship. So we, I explained to them, hey, if you come into our house, this is how our house is. So for our example, our house is light and there is no darkness. <laughs> so we don't smoke, we don't drink, we don't do nothing. I didn't go, you, some people I knew did it. You wretched person for... No, that's not my job. That's not what I did. I told him, hey, coming in the house, we work to keep it sanctified a certain way. So you can't do this in the house. Um, I don't think she'll mind me saying I have a, a family member. I won't say the name, but I have a family member that said, okay, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm coming to hang out with you, but I'm a, and I want to come to church, but I'm going to come to your house the night before. Because I'm, 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 I'm coming to town to participate in, a, in a, a different type of hanging out, right? So I'm not going to come to your house, stay at your house, be doing that, and then come back to your house. No. I'll come to your house on Saturday. By then, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> and then I'll come to church with you on Sunday. Right? Am I saying I would have done it that way? No, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is God, they respected, hey, I'm coming to your house. I'm going to respect your house. I talked to another family member recently. I said, listen, sometimes I don't go around certain things because I can't. I'm ordained. I just can't go. I can't expose myself to everything. I said, so when I come to somebody's house, I can't tell them what to do in their house. 
I said, you've seen me in certain situations. You ain't seen me go, hey, hold on a second. Before we finish anything in here, y'all got to change up everything y'all doing in this house. I don't do that. Because, and I said, you ever notice some, you see me leave quick? Because I'm there for something to support. Maybe somebody's going through something. But I have windows that I can't stay in certain environments because what I expose myself to, I expose the people that I'm serving to. I can't do that. She said, okay, now I understand. I said, do you think I didn't know what y'all was doing the, the last time I was around? I said, I used to do that. So I know what the equipment looks like. I said, but did, what did I do? Did I flip? Did I trip? Oh. All right, so, so y'all with me so far. In him is no darkness. Now, verse 6. He said this for a reason. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Oh, I, have a, I, have, I have a great relationship with God. In, maybe you do in theory, but you ain't in fellowship with him if you're walking in darkness. What you trying to judge? I ain't judge nobody. Did I say any names? I'm telling you what the scripture is saying. Not, this is not, y'all read the same thing I read, right? Right? It says we lie and do not what? The truth. Verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So even our access to cleansing takes fellowship, but we can't bring darkness into the fellowship. Okay? We got to make a choice. Right? Right? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, now, remember the message on unrepentant sin. So, I didn't blast anybody for sin. I just said, well, people are going through, they're not repenting for sin because they're in denial that it's sin. Because they plan off of this, well, you, nobody judges me, who to say this, that, and other. All right, let's remove that and just say, is it sin or not? We're not, we're not, we're not talking about what's the sentence. We're talking about the action. If it's sin, then, then, it, then what needs to happen? It's, there needs to be a repentance, a turning away from. Right? That's all. Ain't, ain't, ain't complicated, right? Did anybody uh, put anybody in prison? Did, you send, did anybody send you to uh, uh, we, weeping and gnashing of teeth? No, they did not. They just said, hey, I love you. I want to make you aware of you have something you're carrying around that you, that it's best that you repent of, otherwise you're going to get the payment for it, which is called death. The wages of sin or the payment for sin is death. And before that happens, I love you enough to make you aware of it. You can choose what you want to do with it, but I can't go in assuming you know this. Knowing you, you would not want to perish or go through the pain along the way. So because I care, other people may go, I ain't saying nothing, I want them to like me. You cannot like me long as you get what you need. Because my life is not about, about me. I'm laying down my life, my like for my friend. All right, John 15, 13. I know I said like, it says life, but you, you understand, right? All right, so we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, this is a positive thing, right? If I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me, forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from the unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's what the Bible says. Now, let's, let's look at this from the Amplified. We're still talking about courage and this is why we need it, okay? It says, we are writing about the word of life. This is the Amplified of the same thing, starting with verse 1. We are writing about the word of life in him who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard, whom we have seen with our own eyes, whom we have gazed upon for ourselves and have touched with our own hands. So he's like, yeah, I'm not just talking about Jesus. They say, I was there, right? And I was in fellowship. I was in so fellow, such fellowship, I, I, I can connect with them, right? First John 1, 1, amplified, classic amplified. Oh, it's, it reads different than the regular amplified? Oh, my, what you call it? Amp C, okay? Classic amplified, AMPC, my bad. Sorry about that. All right, it says, uh, when we gaze upon, touch them with our hands. Okay, and it says, and the life, an aspect of his being was revealed, made manifest, demonstrated, and we saw as eyewitnesses and are testifying to and declare to you the life, the eternal life in him who already existed with the Father, who actually was made visible, was revealed to us, his followers. What we have seen and ourselves heard we are also telling you so that you too may realize and enjoy fellowship as partners and partakers with us. And this fellowship that we have, which is a distinguishing mark of Christians, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And we are now writing these things to you so that our joy in seeing you included may be full and your joy may be complete. And this is the message, the message of promise, which, uh, which, we have, which we have heard from him and now are reporting to you. Look, God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. No, not in any way. So if we say that we are partakers together and enjoy fellowship with him, when we live and move and are walking about in darkness, we are both speaking falsely and do not live and practice the truth which the gospel presents. But if we really are living and walking in the light as he himself is in the light, we have true unbroken, key word, unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses, removes us from all sin and guilt, keeps us cleansed from sin in all its forms and manifestations. If we say we have no sin, refusing to admit that we are sinners, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth, which the gospel presents, is not in us, does not dwell in our heart. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, he is faithful and just, true to his own nature and promises, and will forgive our sins, dismiss our lawlessness, and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, everything not in conformity to his will in purpose, thought, and in purpose, thought, and action. In purpose, thought, and action. If we say, claim, we have not sinned, we contradict his word and may come out to be a false to be false and a liar and his word is not in us, the divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. 
study that out for yourself. But this is the reality of why we preach. It's not about uh, jockeying for position or proving somebody's more holier than thou. It's all about love. And it takes courage to love people because most people reject love. They don't trust it because they've gotten warped versions of it. They've got lust. You know, we were talking about this in the, 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 the uh, singles thing. They've got maybe a little bit of phileo, brotherly love. Uh, very few of us have really experienced Sturgeo love. That's family love. All right. A lot of us in the functional situations. You know, a lot of us have experienced Eros love. <laughs> Sorry, I just slipped that in there, but, you know, but that's that, that's, that's, that's sex, okay? <laughs> All right, so we, we, we've jumped into that and skipped the agape love, the unconditional love. And so this is unconditional. This is this, and this is what our life is about. We're so caught up in keeping up, we don't forgot about souls. That's why we're here. Souls around us all the time. That person flipping and tripping is a soul. They need you. They need at least your intercession. Now, I know Dave, David, you know, I was reading through in, uh, part of my daily reading today. I was reading through was it, Psalms 40. Yes, there's 40. So 41 through 44. Um, but between... 37 to all the way to 44. You listen to David, David's like, kill him. <laughs> he ain't said it exactly like that. But he's like, how come, he ain't, how come you ain't take him out yet? How come he didn't perish? So we be, I know we be thinking like that. You know, it's a job, man. These ain't the Philistines, man. <laughs> like, like, this ain't the Hittites and, the, and that. It's a job. It's a person at a job that's probably got a dysfunctional family too. They, they, hey, some people have never been around a light. When the light come around, turn, turn that light down. They, they panic. And so you bringing the light, you getting on their nerves. Every time you show up, what you smiling for all the time? Like, like, like it's bothering because they think, like, the only time anybody can smile around here if I've had a good day. Right? And then it's like something's in a person where they, hate comes up when they recognize happiness. Something happens, and sometimes they can't control it. He ain't, he ain't all that. He never even opened his mouth. You said, you said so sometimes we'll project, mm-hmm, red bone, light skin. You know, who, thinks, who she thinks she is? Whatever her name is. <laughs> like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, we, we, these things come up, but they're really thirst. The hating is a thirst. And we have something in us that can smother all that flame. Because the Bible says, what, love covers a multitude of sin. Right? There's the Bible talks about when you, when, you, when you do right by people, you heat, and they're doing wrong, you heat burning coals on their head. That might wake them up, huh? <laughs> I was hating my bad. I don't know what happened. I just, you know, <laughs> once, the, once, once the fire hit him, <laughs> I love you, I love you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? So this is, th- these situations in our life are opportunities. All right, so let's look here at Ezekiel. And just for the sake of time, I'm going to read it out of Classic Amplified. Ezekiel chapter 3, 18 through 21. All right? 
It says, uh, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. This is God talking. He says, if I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. This is the truth, right? He says, and you do not give him warning or speak to warn the wicked to turn him from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at your hand. He says, yet if you warn the wicked, twisted, tripping, hating person, he says, uh, and he turned not from his wickedness, from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. He says, again, if a righteous man turns from his righteousness, right doing it, and right standing with God, and, and, and some gift or providence which I lay before him, he perverts into an occasion to sin and commits iniquity, he shall die. Because you have not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteous deeds which he has done shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the righteous man not to sin, and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he is warned. Also, you have delivered yourself from guilt. See, you see what I'm saying? Like, so we're, we're just looking at people like, they tripping, I don't have nothing to do with them. But suppose you're the person supposed to warn them. You know, I, I remember when Natalie was teaching, uh, her message, I think it was not that deep. See, that's how we roll it. It ain't that deep. Yes, it is. <laughs> it is that deep. Suppose that's what's costing us. Suppose we got so much blood on our hands, we're not free to move about the purpose. I keep using the, the airline commercial. You're now free to move about the cabin, right? But how come we're not free to move because we're not cleansed of the, the, the weight and the guilt we're carrying? Right? We're so offended at people, suppose we're the person that's supposed to wake them up through our love. Suppose we're supposed to do what Smith Wigglesworth's wife did. She responded in love. Changed her husband's life. Uh, so, so, I'm trying to do this quick. So, uh, I, I don't know what some of these people are doing now. What, well, Smith Wigglesworth, I know what he's doing now. He, he's gone. <laughs> All right. But I'm about to mention Benny Hinn. I don't know what he's doing now. I've seen him powerfully anointed. I don't know what he's doing now. Okay. So just in case, because I'm not really hip on what it, my wife told me some stuff earlier. I don't know everything everybody's doing because I need a whole lot of word to serve y'all. So I'll be missing out. All right. So, but Benny Hinn, I read his story. Uh, I read his story before I met him. You know, when I met him, the story wasn't half of it. He was powerful. So he goes to this meeting in Pittsburgh, and Catherine Coleman was teaching, and, you know, they're, they're shivering outside. So they come inside, and he's shivering. But he, sh he thinks he's still shivering because it's cold outside, but it's heat in the place. And he's like, why am I shivering? Like, he doesn't understand. He has no idea what's going on with him. So then Catherine Coleman comes out. She starts to teach, but she was like, I can't. She says, he's grieved. You know, now, if you knew to the meeting, which Benny Hinn was, like, who? What are you talking about? You know, and she was talking about the Holy Spirit. She said, so I can't preach until we have a, the Holy Spirit is comfortable in the atmosphere. This is what she says. So, make a long story short, power guy hits. 
He gives his life to the Lord. The interesting thing was he had grew up Catholic. So he, he didn't think nothing of it. Gives his life to the Lord. Lets his family knows. Dad says, I disown you. So from that day, he gave his life, gets home, talks to his dad, he disowns him. So they don't speak. And so some years go by, he, he grows in the things of God. He stays in the word, grows in the things of God. He's speaking everywhere. So one day he's speaking, his best friend comes back and says, hey, hey, your dad's out there. You know, because they have flyers all over. He was like, I can't go out there. He was like, no, but you got to go out there. People are here for you. He's like, no, well, my dad's out there. He said, man, you just have to go out there. You know, these people waiting to hear you. So he goes out, he speaks, but he's afraid to go home. He was still at the house. They just didn't speak. He just come, go to his room, spend time with the Holy Spirit in the Word. So he drives around for hours, finally goes home. Because now he, he never stopped living for God just because his dad disowned him. He took, that took courage, right? When he walks in the house, his dad drops down and says, I want the Jesus you have. He said, because that wasn't my Benny up there speaking. He said, my Benny stutters. They haven't been speaking for two years. Within that time frame, God had healed him from the stuttering. He didn't even think nothing about it. You know, he's just flowing. Because obviously he didn't stutter when he was speaking. But I'm saying, but he, God had delivered him from him. So if he didn't have courage to stand on his faith, even though he was being disowned, he, his father's life wouldn't have been saved. So he had to be willing not to be connected for years for his dad to be saved. But he wasn't sitting around, is he saved yet? He was going deeper in God. All right, so there's just, just something to think about. It might be you. See, um, so, 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 so to operate, because when Natalie was saying it's not that deep, we were talking the other week, and it, I don't know if it was this message or the, um, the rewards of faithfulness, how... Uh, how uh, it was Matthew chapter, Mark, Mark chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And it says that there's this, the seed is on a stony ground. It's on the surface. But it says it has no root in the earth. It says so when the sun, when the sun shines bright, it's scorched and it withers away. Why? Because it's on the surface. See, again, it showed up except to Jesus, but it's not in fellowship. Right? So it hasn't gotten deep. Right? Right? And so, so now it's just easily burnt up. And then Jesus explained the scripture. He says, uh, I believe it was 17, 18, or 16 and 17, further in Mark chapter 4. He says, hey, these are they that are, stone on, or that are sown on stony ground. It says, but they, they're, they have, they're not deep rooted. He says, so when persecution and affliction comes for the word's sake, immediately they're uprooted. Right? See, see, as soon as they deal with pressure, they have no courage because their roots aren't deep enough in the person that has the courage, which is Christ, right? Amen. Right, so when we're, we're the seed on the surface, we assume no one else is going deep either. See, when we're surface, that's why we say it ain't that deep because we figure ain't nobody else going deep either. And that works until you run into somebody what? That's going deep. And normally we run. Because the person's going deep, they ain't going for the normal lines that you share with everybody else. They're asking you questions. 
And the questions are convicting you because you already know it's deeper. You just are the master of communicating. And normally, you can, on the surface, you can communicate to people on the surface. They go, yeah, I never looked at it that way. They ain't really go deep enough to see if what you said was legit. They're just going, it's as far as they ever go anyway because they don't really pay attention. Now you get around people that pay attention. Why do we run from the people that pay attention? See, that's our opportunity to grow and to go deep too. But we run because we're like, I've been able to manipulate and get around everybody. I have the gift of gab. I flow. I, I'm, y'all think I'm talking about you. That was me. I can get around anybody. I had a line for everything. No, literally. And people would believe me. Like, to this day, I have no idea what I was saying. People say, like, man, you know, I love talking to you. I don't know what I'm saying to people. I wasn't even in the Word. Then I, I started living for God. Supposedly, I wasn't in fellowship. I didn't go deep. I just talked about God. I acknowledged God. I believed in God. I read a couple, I knew a couple scriptures. A couple. You know, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Probably that one. Right? So when I talked, I talked positive, and I talked about God as a person that exists. Well, people are like, man, I love talking to you, man. I never looked at it that way, man. You know, I don't know what I'm saying to these people. Then I run into somebody that knows the truth specifically, accurately with the word. Now, I never heard that before. Never knew that before. Now, a person was willing, and actually my sister was one of those people. She was just like, be quoting scriptures and stuff like that. I was like, is that in the Bible somewhere? And so that's why I got in the word. Because now somebody's like, no, that's, that's not the truth. That's not even... That's not even close to the truth. Heck, let me show, come, come on, let me show you the truth. And then once I got the truth, it was quenching my thirst. So that's, I've been, I've been I, it's not this Bible, but I used to carry around my Bible everywhere I went because I don't want to miss no truth. I could care less about the commercials, waiting on the car wash, uh, the one time catching the bus. Like, I'm not wasting time. I'm getting more truth because I'm getting freer. Right? Did you see that? And so, Proverbs 20, 27. Let's go to Proverbs 27. We only got a few minutes. We should have three more hours, to be honest with you. All the vacation we've been on and not really, really going deep in God. I, w- I wasn't saying that really to be sarcastic. I was saying, like, the... the when, we're, when, when you're behind or when, you're, when we're tempted to be behind in life, when we decide to wake up, we got to go deeper. So when the smoke cleared and I woke up, I had to go through a lot more excruciating consistency than anybody else because I was way behind. And so I couldn't compare my life to my sisters or nobody else. I needed help. Matter of fact, when I left the church that she was going to, to another church, I didn't go because I was disgruntled at the church. I went because I said, hey, you know, and, and, and the flow of that particular church was a great flow. I mean, you know, foundationally for what I need. So, and I'm not putting no, no mention that, but for me in my life, it was like a high school for me. But I needed more detail because, and I, and I remember saying to myself, I said, y'all probably can help this church because of her training. Like I learned uh, survival kit and stuff that we got from my sister. Well, she got that training and they gave master life training way back in D.C., way back in the 80s. I said, well, maybe you can help this church, but I can't help this church. I said, I got to grow. I need 
somebody teaching the word. So I couldn't be in, the, in, the, in just a hooping. Uh, the person didn't really hoop. But you know how people have a certain pocket that they flow in. No, I need help. So I went, I went to a Bible teaching church. It may didn't have all the other stuff. Uh, and it's not like they don't teach the Bible at the other church. They had the Sunday school class. But I just needed something else. That's all. You understand what I'm saying? So not, it's not against the other thing. Like, put it this way. I went to Week Wake High School. Week Wake High School couldn't give me what Upsala College gave me. I didn't despise Week Wake High. I love my high school. Right? Because I went to Upsala. I went to Upsala because y'all ain't have what it took. I didn't do that. I, had, I needed more, and there was a place to give it to me. Does that make sense? Right? And this, I'm not talking about I needed to be comfortable. No, I needed to be stretched. I needed to be challenged. I needed to be broken. See, one thing about me, I, I do know that about myself. Like, I'm just going to be uncomfortable. I need, I need somebody got to tell me no. Okay, this is going over real well. The tell me, tell me no part. You, you see that? They, everybody was saying amen. And then when I said the tell me no part. <laughs> Sound effects, man. Y'all, y- when you do a music score, you got to harmonize with what's going on, y'all. <laughs> All right, so Proverbs 27, four and, no, 5 and 6. Five and six. Look, it says, it says, it says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I said, look, it says open rebuke is better than secret love. Speaking the truth and love and challenging people. See, see, I remember we did the not ashamed message and we asked the question, do we have the courage to rebuke anybody? Do we love anybody enough to rebuke? Because, you know, some people need, remember, the scriptures for what? Doctrine, 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures for what? Doctrine, correction, reproof, and instruction in righteousness, right? How many of those tools are we using? Probably just the doctrine. Because people get mad at correction. Right? But correction is a good thing. Like, listen, I've learned so much through correction. Because it's correcting. I'm I'm out of alignment. And it's correcting me, getting me back in alignment. I'm communicating the wrong thing. And it gave me the right word to make it clear or the right letter. Your phones and everything correct you all the time with the little squiggly lines. Do you get mad and offended? No, you change what you put down there. But we stuck at correction, so how are we going to deal with rebuke? For the person receiving it and the person that has to have the courage to give it. How many times have you ever rebuked anybody? And most times we ain't doing it because we don't want nobody to rebuke us, even though we need it. See, that's a part of the, the, the body. Rebu- rebuke. Rebuke. Reproof. Correction. And instruction, see, the instruction of righteousness was last. <laughs> Do you see that? Okay, I know it takes courage. Like, like but I'm saying, it does take courage to, to, to rebu- rebuke or reprove. Do we address anything anymore? 
Let's think of our culture. Everything is, oh, oh, we, we need to come up with something else so that person don't be bothered. So nobody can address them. Oh, we didn't think of that one. We need to come up with something else so that person's not addressed. Let's change the whole policy. They changing the Constitution so things aren't addressed. So that means people don't get the truth, right? So that means you have people walk around bound. Because the Bible has a way and the world has a way. But we're taught to be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of our mind. God ain't changed. You don't have to get mad at nobody. And, and we got to stop saying it's not love to address behavior. That's what love is. It's not love to want to be liked at the expense of behavior. Some of us have had access to help somebody from a truth or a vice. We didn't do it. The person has gone through, went through a lot of pain and lost their life. We never trigger things back to, I never told them the truth. Never. What we do is now we, we find a, a cause that, that highlights the end of their life and their demise. And we go, we need to you know, come up with some funds and stuff because the people going through this. Oh, let's go to the root. We spend all this time and what's manifested. Let's go to the root. They could not be in that situation. You had the truth. But you let somebody tell you it's judgment to assist people out of the quicksand. That's not judgment. That's not passing sentence. You're, we just read through the scriptures. You offer them the truth. Now they make the choice from there. But there's no blood on your hands, though. But some of us walking around bloody, and we ain't talking about the blood of Jesus. Because we have the information. You don't have to, like, get on a soapbox. You don't have to put some, and, and you're going to hell. You ain't got to go through all that. Hey, this is what I learned. This is what I'm a witness to. This is what I seen. This is what I experienced. We were talking in the uh, singles and so my wife opened up with this. She said, I know what the thought is, married people talking to singles. Like we skipped single, just went right to marriage. Like as soon as we came out, we're together. No, we went through things and we completed singles to have a 30-year marriage. Best of friends and fulfilled. So what we were telling them is, we don't know everything, but we've witnessed some things. Not just in a marriage, we serve people all over the world for marriages. We've married, and we've mar we got, we're licensed in so many states in the United States, and because every time somebody needs to marry, if some people need, North Carolina's not like that, you don't need a license in North Carolina, but Ohio you do, Virginia you do. We've been in Houston, Texas. We was in Indiana this year. Doing marriages, right? Be after we've counseled, and you know what that does? That's our training. That's, a, that's our research. So all these situations, because we care. So we're, we, we've given our lives to all of these couples. And people sometimes skip over us to find out about, I'm not talking about in the world, like everybody needs to show up here. That would be cool if you want to show up here, it's cool. But I'm saying, but in the family, listen, like for certain, 
you don't have to come to me for insurance. I don't really know a lot about insurance. You can go to Minister Lamar, you can go to Minister James, you go to, I, I don't, I, that's not me. Listen, my cousin right there is an attorney. I don't know a whole, I, I know some stuff, but I don't know nothing of what she knows. Guess what? So I call her. I call her, depending on what the law is, I got a guy that's in Ohio that's, you know, phenomenally, at a, I'll call him. You know why? Because I don't know. They went through the research. Like, you got to go through training. And even when you go through training, you can't go, I'm done. You got to keep coming back. Why? So you're familiar with it. You can't lose that grip on it. So I'm going to go to her because she can't get away from knowing about the law. I, I, I know tax law, stuff like this, For right now, she's the attorney. You know, that's what I'm talking about right now. Okay? Well, guess what? This is what we do. And we've been a witness, so we're supposed to tell you the truth. Guess what? After that, you can do what you want to do. Didn't we tell y'all that yesterday? Y'all grown. Y'all ain't trying to, they're not trying to get approval from us. We're going to give them, listen, if you want to do this right, that's why we have relationship boot camp. Go around the country. Everybody's not doing relationship boot camp. And since their church started, we used to do it for a whole month until we started inviting guests. We weren't doing that just for, we ain't get no money for it. Nobody's paying for it. Because we've seen people go through craziest relationships. I ended up with strangers because of a relationship. I ended up with a foster home with up until 17 because of a relationship. And they weren't trying to hurt me. They was young. They didn't know how to flow in a relationship. So I've been serious about relationships ever since then. Like, that's why I didn't have no, no children before I got married. I was, even though I was in the hood and even though I wasn't doing right, I was pretty cautious when it came to children. You know why? I didn't want a child ever growing up without me around. Not that's that, hey, hey, other people, it works. I've seen people, it works. Well, I'm telling you for me. You know why? Because of my experience. What I witnessed. That's all. You understand? It's not... Like, like me, I love all y'all. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You don't have to like me. It's okay. I want you to like me, okay? Don't, don't get it wrong. I, I, I do want you to like me. But you liking me is not a more important in your life. Do you understand that? It is not. Interview some people around here, and they'll tell you, their life was always more important than our like. Some people kicked and screamed and left. I'm still not mad at them. I still talk to them. Right? I'm talking about the people that, because they was mad. <laughs> right? I still talk to them. But guess what? You know why? Because I'm not walking around with any weight. Because I, it was about them. If it was about me, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. But I'm not feeling uncomfortable because it's not about me. It's about y'all. You understand what I'm saying? So this is what... I'm not just teaching about courage just for the sake of talking about courage. We, we, this is the last time, last days. Souls have to be saved. Somebody's going to hell. Do you understand that? I mean, I can't. The Bible says that, okay? You know, somebody take a sound bite. Brother, curse the church. Somebody, somebody's doing that. And we're sitting there right, thinking about, 
how we look or if we're going to look bad or somebody's going to find out this one little thing. Who cares? Souls. That's what it's about. Do you understand? That's why we do discipleship classes. You think it's just we doing this stuff just to be doing it? That's why we got a school. That's why we got Bible study fellowship. We we don't have it just to have it because it's hard. When when you're out there trying to talk to somebody you really don't know, and they're being defensive, you normally gonna run from the conversation because you don't know. I know this because I didn't know. That's why I'm thorough in the word. I'm not thorough in the word just just so I can prove I know scripture. I'm thorough. When my sister was quoting scriptures, I said, how do you know that? She says, I pray for a desire to know the word. I took it a step further because of my experience. I said, Lord, give me a desire to know the word and, and, and the address. Why did I want the address? Not so I can boast that I know the address because I grew up in Newark, New Jersey. And you just can't roll up people and say, that's in the Bible. You got to show them in the Bible. I'm not saying that's the only culture that's like that, but I was that way. My brother said this one time, breaking me down. Break, he just kept antagonizing. And I just answered his questions. No matter, he, he drilling me. Answer his questions. Remember I said, it wasn't an argument. If you was looking on the outside, you'd be like, why is he doing this to him? But no, I'm, I'm answering his question. Finally, he said, you think I'm antagonizing you, don't you? And that's exactly what I was thinking. He said, I'm doing what you used to do. I said, what are you talking about? He says, if we answered your questions, we got your attention. I, 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 I was smooth after that. I understood what he was saying. I never saw it from the outside, but it's true. I was like, oh, no, don't, be, don't, don't just be telling me anything. Soon as you start talking to me, I start asking you questions. I, mean, I know that I do that now for a different reason, but I will ask you questions. What about this? What about that? See, I wasn't, I didn't go away talking about people. I didn't need to. I'm, I can talk to the person. And then I'll ask them questions. But I wasn't asking them a question already having a conclusion in my, my head. I was really asking to go, I heard you say this. What about that? Okay, but what about this? Okay, okay I, hear, I hear that, but what about this? I hear that. And I can ask some questions. <laughs> you got people looking like, you don't have to tell us that. Right? Right? But, but you understand what I'm saying? But guess what? I got the information. And once I got the information, it just started to click. And once it started to click, I'm like, whoa. I'm tripping. Y'all think I'm talking about me? You see how certain things you get a lot of noise and certain things. You had to put it that way, brother. But that's all I'm saying. So it's going to take courage because now we got to stop playing. Supernatural restoration, people, you know, people don't got jobs and, and, and restored to different positions and relationships and, and Got their minds back. That's a wonderful thing. But do you think God's doing all that just so you can sit around and? No. That brilliance attracts people to you. You're witnessing of how you got where you are. And you bring them into the fellowship that you found in restoration. That's what it's about. It's not just about us sitting around, you know, just looking around. Or making sure you stop at the light so people can know you got a new car. It ain't about have the new car. You know what that's going to do? People are going to say, whoa, that's a nice car. How'd you get that? Man, you don't understand how Jesus be working in my life. Here, get in, man. Let me, let, let's take a drive and let me tell you how I got this car. 
Oh, I got a story to tell you. If you really want to know. I, I, I used to, I'm in here. I was coaching when I was in um, corrections. Uh, y'all saw the movie Gridiron Gangs. I did that with basketball. Right? So I, so I was coaching in, in a lockup. And we tried, we played the regular high schools. They didn't want us playing, but we did. A lot of controversy. So I had an assistant coach. You might be watching this, so I'm, gonna give you, I'm not going to say your name, but you know what I'm talking about. And so, so around this time, for whatever reason, God, God was sending me blessings, right? So yeah, anybody around me know I like Adidas, right? So I was getting, it was these, it was this, this place was selling them wholesale. So I was getting like $150 sweatsuits for like $30, $30, right? And all different types. So every time I would come and practice, I would have a new sweatsuit on. And he was like, man, every time I see you, you got another sweatsuit. I said, man, I just be pulling out my Jesus card, man. You know, so every time I had another, I always hit him with a different line, you know, because just so he, he could relate. But everything I said was Jesus. So after a while, he was like, hey, could you pray for me after practice? Then after a while, one time I'm talking to him. Oh, I wasn't talking to him. He called me. And when he called me, he had stopped hanging out with me. I invited him to church. He comes one time, never, don't see him again for, I'm going to say, a year and a half or whatever. So I'm not going to pressure you, but we work together. So he calls. I'm talking to another guy. He's in the background saying, tell Keith he's treating me like um, kryptonite. And remember I told you, I'm quick, quick response. I just, I wasn't even thinking. I said, well, tell him because he's been hanging out with Lex Luthor. That's it. That's the, that's the, that's the, the conversation's over. And, and it wasn't an argument. <laughs> wasn't a debate. He wasn't mad. I wasn't mad. I wasn't even coming back like I was upset. I was just, oh, you trying to hit me? Here you go. Didn't think nothing else about it. Saw him shortly after that, and he asked to come to church. And he started coming to church. Gave his life to the Lord, grew in the church, everything. Well, we ended up talking later. He said, you know what shifted for me? That day I called. And you said, when I said uh, you, was, you was treating me like kryptonite, you, sang, uh, you said I was hanging out with Lex Luthor. I started thinking about all the people I was around. And he said, when I thought about it, you was right. He said, now let me tell you the story when you first invited me to church. He said, you invited me to church that day. I left church that day. How could I say it? Well, I didn't say the name. And he participated in some pharmaceutical uh, <laughs> uh, sales, <laughs> right? I'm trying to be nice. Uh, some people got me, some people don't. The people that got me can explain to the people with the looks on their face, like, what are you talking about, pharmaceutical? Illegal. He was doing stuff that was illegal. Yeah, and, but it almost cost him everything. <laughs> I love my family, right? <laughs> right. So what I'm saying is just me, every chance I get representing God had an impact on that guy's life. In that same institution, you had to get the kids up at a certain time to go to breakfast. But when you first got to work at 7 o'clock, there was a transition before you had to go to breakfast. Well, I would leave the office, go off in a corner, and read the Word. I didn't want to, listen, I, I didn't want to hear, talk about sports. I didn't want to read the, the sports section because that's what we was doing all the time. 
That was cool, but I wanna, I'm going to get the word in. And then if they were playing games in the game room, I'm getting the word in. Sometimes if they was lifting weights, I'm getting the word in. So I kept saying, I'm not going to be here all the time, so please receive what I'm trying to tell you. We had something called uh, normative culture groups or positive culture groups, but I would weave in God. That's what I believed in. So just like I told them, because you're not supposed to leave once you're stuck in a state institution because you're supposed to be secure. Well, God affords me another job. Well, the guy I'm talking about, he said to, he told me this later, he said to, no, no, he didn't tell me. He ends up coming where I go. He ends up getting out. Then another guy after him gets up getting out, coming to the same facility because I end up in a new job. Then another guy gets out. Well, the last guy says, let me tell you how I got out of that place. He says, I watched you. And you would just go off to the side and read the word all the time. And you was talking about you was leaving. I was like, people don't just leave this institution. And that's how I know you was gone. He said, after you left, the guy told you, the Lex Luthor guy, he started doing the same thing, going off to the side, reading the word. He said, I looked up and he was gone. There's another guy named Rodney. After he left, he started following what that guy did. He said, so you know what I did? I started doing what they did. And that's how I got out. I never knew all that until he told me. You know, he had uh, joined this power team. He's this big guy. He used to uh, 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 play professional football. But he was, when he was telling me the story, I was like, whoa, I didn't do it for that reason. I just did it because I wanted to get the truth of the word as much as I could. You never know who needs your light. Just takes courage. All right, stand on your feet. That's all for today.